All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I am here joined by Greg Marquez, a police officer in Southern California who teaches. And I just want to do, like, I just want to get your opinion on, like, when this, when this all started, um, the video was first released, like, what did you, did, did, how fast did you watch the video? Like, when did it first get your attention? Before it picked up steam, during picking up steam, or afterwards? Well, I, I don't really watch too much TV. Um, when it first came out, I saw the one clip that they show where the, where the police officer is kneeling on his neck, and really nothing else besides that when I first saw it. And then days went on where they showed a little few seconds more, then they showed when they, they walked him over to the wall and sat him down. And there was a lot of little missing pieces. And, and I knew that there was cell phone video, but I also knew that they had uh, surveillance video like from the street view as well. So like usually when I, when I see these videos on the news, I, my first thoughts are, um, you know, what's the whole story uh, whenever I see these videos. And, and with that one in particular, as I saw, started learning the facts, well, the facts that the media was putting out originally um, I, I didn't, I, I thought it was very bad tactics. Um, you know, we don't like, you gotta understand like use of force, any use of force never looks good. Yeah. And a lot of times when these videos and these short clips come out on the news, uh, people are quick to judge because it, it never looks good when, when the police, uh, have a use of force incident with, with anyone. It, do, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't even look good when regular people are fighting. And there's a lot of unknown facts when these videos come out. So it's hard for me to immediately judge those officers right away. But as I learned that he was kneeling on his neck for several minutes, I was, I was shocked. You know, yeah. I, I, I think anyone who watches that, and, and that's why this is bringing such, such attention. And I was particularly upset that the officers that were standing by yep. didn't say anything or didn't do anything. And, and I think, you know, as a police officer, as, as an educator, as a father, as a, a you know, a, a Christian, you know, I just look at this as, as just someone, someone should have done something and yeah. it didn't happen. Like I was, my first thoughts when I saw it was where was the supervisor my first thoughts were, why didn't that officer stand in there tell him, hey, hey, get off his neck? He's saying he can't breathe, mm -hmm. you know, it, and it's not like, um, I'm not sure if you could cuss on the podcast or anything, but, um, you know, no, uh, if it slips, I don't really care, uh, yeah, you know, if, if, contain it. Yeah. He, if he wasn't, he wasn't saying like, you know, F you, I'm going to F you up. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't saying that he was saying, I, I can't breathe that that's not like a fighting word, you know, it's, yeah. it's something that. <laughs> When you're in distress, you're like, the fight was already out of him. He's saying, I can't breathe. And yeah. he said it multiple times. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's just sad. It's very sad. And then everything that's happened after that. Yeah. And, and sad, it seems like such a simple word. Um, but, you know, I, I've been a police officer for, for 15 years in yeah. Southern California. And I've worked diverse communities. I've worked with diverse police departments. And... You know, it's, it's, um, and I've been in several use of force incidents. So, mm -hmm. you know, when, when people automatically label it like, oh, well, they're all bad guys because they use force. No, that, I mean, that, that's, that's been covered. That's been litigated in case law. It's been litigated in, 
uh, public policy and even, you know, within our own police rights. But when I first saw it, I was, I was just really like, man, I, and I see these, these videos on the news and, and it's hard to judge other people because I wasn't there. Mm. But when, when you're kneeling on someone's neck for several minutes, it's kind of like, I, I, I just, I'm shocked. Let, let's talk about let's talk about the whole kneeling on the neck. Is, is that so? I've I've done um, when I was younger. I did a a, a pre explorers, which is what the what we have with we have explorers and we have the pre explorers where we go into the the Chino de Police Department and we do like like a kind of like a college class almost. Uh-huh. We, they took us to the training facility up in oh, it's like it's like in the middle of the desert. Um, they took us up there. And they and then we were just talking and talking about all this stuff that they use and um, you know the whole body or the, the the training course pretty much the hurdle the 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 dead lit, the dead drag, uh-huh. but I, no one ever said anything about you know kneeling on someone's neck like is is that something they would tell you guys to do or was the officer just like did the officer just do that some I want to say maybe try to kill him because. I don't know. We don't know what he was thinking at that point. Right. But the whole kneeling on the neck thing, like, where do you think he thought that was an okay idea to do that? Okay, so in response to that, I, I don't know everyone's training. I, I could tell you from my perspective what I've been trained or what I've experienced is that we don't specifically train on kneeling on the neck, but mm-hmm. I've, I've had to sit on someone i've had to uh restrain someone with control holds i used to wrestle so i i use a lot what i learned in high school wrestling Mm -hmm. um, to control someone's body Mm -hmm. some people are good with martial arts you know like where you know they could hold someone down whatever they're comfortable with The, the tactics that they train with like in the police academy and the advanced officer trainings we do focus a lot on arrest and control we have Mm -hmm. Uh, and I can't speak for every department. I just know that California policing, we train a lot. And, and I don't know what kind of training they get in other states or counties. Each city, see, uh, California is um, kind of monitored by California police officers and standards. So mm-hmm. any kind of use of force, like arrest and control curriculum, is approved by uh, California Post. At least that's my understanding that the, the post approves the, the rest of control tactics and then the police department, and then they have to review policy and case law. But mm-hmm. everyone trains um, different or they might add something. But I think with any, any, um, any use of force technique, you have to give the um, suspect an opportunity to comply. So at that point, in talking about this video specifically, it seemed like with that number of officers there, they sh- they could have been able to um, secure that even a combative subject uh, a lot more effectively. So, for example, in the way that my department trains, we train specifically for combative su- su- subjects. Um, and I've been in fights with uh, people who are violently resisting. However, you know, based on our training and our experience, uh, we can overcome the, that resistance. Um, so it, it's, it, like I said, it doesn't always look pretty, 
you know, when force needs to be used to defend ourselves or affect an arrest or overcome resistance, which the penal code uh, prescribes for us, then, you know, we train to be within those limits. And then also at the conclusion of any use of force, we, we render aid. So mm-hmm. if we have to hit someone with a baton, you know, we make sure that we have an ambulance come out. If they get tasered, we take them to the hospital to get the barbs removed. Mm-hmm. So there's a level of care that we have to provide um, for any subject we're taking into custody. That person's safety is our responsibility. So mm-hmm. when we put them in the backseat of a patrol car, we're, we're seatbelting them in the car. We're making sure that they're, they're safe. Even if they start banging their head on the wall inside the unit, we have straps to hold them back against the seat to protect them from slamming their head on, on the glass or the, the back uh, partition. So when you take that person into custody, they're, they're your responsibility. Yeah, I think it's crazy because you know, it, it's sad to see um, that this poor man lost his life because this, this, this person, you know, his prejudice probably got, his prejudice got in the way or he just had no regard for the person's life. Um, it, it could have been so avoid, avoidable because he was he was under a car, wasn't he? Yeah, it looked like they were. I think, and and I'm just I, I I probably shouldn't even give an opinion, but I think that he was in the car and then they removed him from the car. That's my yeah, understanding. No, I mean, um, when he when he was getting kneeled on the neck, like he was underneath the car, wasn't he? Yeah, it looked like he was by the the rear right tire. Yeah. So I I think you know but I think, I think he was the already officer, handcuffed. Yeah. Because, yeah, because you don't see his hands and you would think his hands would be flailing. So yeah. I think at that point, I, at that point, it's inexcusable what he did, the officer, because he's already in handcuffs. He's pinned her under a vehicle. You're, the knee on the neck is just is not going to do anything but just cut off the air to his brain and to him and all that. So I think that's where everyone's just like, what was what was even the point of that? And I think that's why we're like we're seeing all these like protests and everything. Well, going to the to the officer, he has he has been arrested and he's been charged with second degree. Mm-hmm. Is that the right charge for him? Because I, well, obviously, many people maybe not not know the different degrees, but somebody said uh, first degree, which is premeditated, correct? Correct. And third degree is accidental. Or was so, that? Okay, so I'll let you go. The the answer to your question is. The, the, the California Penal Code states specifically um, what the, the elements of the crime are. And mm-hmm. then when it goes to court, they have what's called the, the California Crim Code. Oh, well, this isn't California. I, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf on what I know about California. But yeah, the, that's fine. The, the, the Crim Code uh, outlines in pages and pages and pages of detail of inst- instructions to the jury things to consider, factors to consider. So when we, when a, when a police officer is charged with a crime, uh, they have usually an outside agency investigate it, and then mm-hmm. they'll complete a report on what happened, and then that'll go to the district attorney's office to review in any use of force. They'll review uh, the case and determine what charges should be um, filed. So in, in criminal justice, there's three, three levels. So you have your police officers, which is your cops, and then you have courts and corrections. So mm-hmm. after it goes from the cops phase to the, correct, the courts phase, that's their, their determination. And each district attorney um, 
you know, they have to remain impartial. So they're not like siding with law enforcement. And I know that's a very common misconception that people have that, you know, they're all uh, teaming up. Yeah. And the way the courts and the justice, the justice system is set up, it's not like that. At least I haven't experienced that. And, and the way it's supposed to be is that they're impartial. And I've had, like in my experience, I've had s- several cases um, that have gotten turned down because the elements weren't met or mm-hmm. it wasn't a case that the district attorney couldn't prosecute. So in this case, it's very difficult. So the, the district attorney will present their case. The defense attorney will, the burden of proof is on the prosecution. Mm-hmm. And the defense attorney, you know, will put up a defense or um, let see what the jury, see what the prosecution is going to put up. So it, it varies. It's going to be very difficult to find a jury uh, yeah. in this case. Because so, there's, there's, cause the jury is supposed to be an outside, like they have no knowledge of what's going on. And how, how can someone not have knowledge? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to be a very, very difficult case to to prosecute. And they even said it on the, the news brief. They were they, they even said it themselves. So it's going to be a very difficult case. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's it's hard, like, for any police officer to just give a general opinion on anything. Yeah. When there's so many different factors to consider. Like, you could probably write a whole, you know, 100-page essay on something that took two minutes to yeah. two minutes of video that you can a trial could last weeks so when you're looking at any and, and i'm being very general right here not specifically on this case but when you look at mm-hmm. any use of force there's a lot of case law there's a lot of uh elements of, of a crime and case law policy all that stuff that goes into that 20 second frame 30 second frame of a video of use of force yeah um i think there was a there's a really good video that um breaking barriers did um with officer tillman oh yeah uh, yeah he's it, it blew up i i first saw it on the whole thing i first saw the whole thing on a youtube channel called donut operator he played the whole thing and he recited the the police code uh the oath and all that and I, and uh, he started talking about it and i think watching that and hearing what he had to say, I think that's what people need. Because I think people right now think cops are, well, first of all, I think most, uh, a good majority amount of people think cops are first, first enemy, enemy number one right now. Right. Which I think, I think we should have more cops. I think we should have more cops give their, their opinions on behalf of them so people can know that these these police officers are people right and and there was a video that i saw online where this this uh african-american police officer he was he was doing a video where he was like he was pretending to be at a, at a riot and he was getting yelled at and one of the one of the points he made was oh um you're 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 African American. You should you should be out here protesting with us. And, and the cops and the cop replied with, um, "Oh, you think I'm not trying to change? I joined the department just so I can have change and all that." And I think stuff like that, where I think cops give more opinions and you know, because I think with 
obviously LA County, it, it's so hard because it's so many people. Um, it's like like different Here. departments and all Here. that. Hold, hold on, real quick. Hold on. Real no quick. worries. Sorry, that was my son screaming in the front. I no worries. In the background. No worries. Okay, so uh, can I finish your point? Uh, I was just saying, like, I think it's harder for officers to kind of make uh, a big impact when they have, like, when you have LAPD having, like, a whole city compared to a, a Chino police department that, you know, it's like a, it's a smaller city. They can make more of a more of a connection to the people. Right. Um, so what do, what do you think about that? Do you think cops should go out and, like, not more so go out, but put themselves more out there online, giving their own opinions on all this? Or do you think they should, you know, just kind of keep their mouth shut for now, and then when things start to cool off, then try to fix things? Because one thing I keep hearing is this this doesn't affect this one person, this one police officer. This affects police as a whole now. Right. Yeah, so... If, if you look back at the, the history of, of community policing and, and you look at the different eras of policing that we've been through and you've seen uh, a lot of injustice throughout time. But like, I always think back to in, in the early 1800s, like what uh, Sir Robert Peel had put out the nine principles of policing. And that's kind of carried out to, you know, it still holds true. So I, I encourage everyone to look at the nine principles of policing. But one of the most important things that he said in these nine principles was that the the public are the police and that the police are the public. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to maintain that relationship at all times. And I'm, I'm a member of the community just as anyone else is, mm-hmm. you know, and... And it, it's important to have people who want to make things better. The reason why I became a police officer, because I wanted to protect people. You know, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood that I grew up in, they weren't horrible neighborhoods, but I always noticed when gang members walked into our school events that people would feel unsafe. You know, mm-hmm. they would have to have uh, hire LA County deputies to come and provide security because they weren't people weren't safe there. There would be fights or a shooting or something. So we needed the police officers there to protect us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I became a police officer. And throughout my life, the, the decisions I made growing up and um, my education all went into that decision that I wanted to be a police officer. So that was something that I've always wanted to do. And I uh, made my decisions. I've, I've never smoked marijuana. I've never even smoked a cigarette smoke cigars as an adult but you know those are decisions I made throughout my life was that I wanted to this is how bad I wanted to be a police officer that every decision I made was going to be towards my overall goal be a police Mm -hmm. officer now considering that I've wanted to do this since I was a little kid and I've I've witnessed the looks that police officers give I've witnessed you know and I've heard stories from family and friends of you know uh maybe negative interactions with police and in this situation and and i've been a police officer for a while like i said i have had to use force in the course of my duty mm-hmm. and to answer your question more clearly you've got to think I'm, I'm very passionate about my career mm-hmm. but i'm also passionate about community policing 
I'm also passionate about um, my, my profession. You know, I chose this profession. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for police officers to share their views. However, they do have to be a little more, they have to be refined if they are going to give opinions. So like for myself, I've, speak, I've spoke on panels before. I was a community liaison. I've spoken to uh, members of, of BLM in the past, or I don't know if they're members or officially or not, but you know, I've, I've been in community panels and I've learned how to listen. And it's important to not be one-sided in any discussion mm-hmm. and to really know the facts. So sometimes when you're asked a question and you may not know the answer, it's okay to say like, I don't know. You know, yeah. that's why like, when you ask me specifically about the, the murder too, I don't know, I can't recite that off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't give a comment on anything I didn't know about. You know, and I think so, that's what people don't seem to understand now. People are too scared to be wrong or look right, dumb. Right, right. And police officers like like in this, you know, the, the only reason why I didn't share the name of my department or the school I work for is because I'm speaking on my own behalf. I'm giving my 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 own opinion mm-hmm. and and I support law enforcement. These, these guys have been my heroes, you know, throughout my life. And, you know, you hear all these like derogatory terms of people who who support police officers, but I truly do believe and what I've witnessed, I've never witnessed a racist cop. I I wouldn't tolerate a racist cop. I, if, mm-hmm. if I heard anything like that, I would immediately immediately report that. Like I have no problem in this day in this day and age, people think that the same policing is is happening today that happened back in the 70s or back in mm. the 60s or or they look back at those different eras of policing but what you have now is people who want to be here people mm-hmm. who go to school i'm educated i have a master's degree you know you have a lot of college educated men and women out there serving their communities with the same passion i have i'm not unique people think mm. that oh well you know you're very smart and you speak well and you know, this, I wish all cops were like you. There's a mm. lot of cops like me. Mm. And there's a lot of cops who put their whole hearts and souls, who've reached into their pockets to give a homeless guy money or give someone gas or tow their car, pay the tow fee for their car. And I think what sucks with that is that I think all that's been thrown off to the side. Uh, oh, yeah, because for of sure. this incident, which sucks because, like, you know, you do have these good officers that, you know, just, you know do their best to make sure the community is, is well and taken care of. But then you have one bad cop in a state three, four, five, six states down from you that does one thing. And then now all your good deeds are now thrown out the window and you're just you're treated like how you're just treated like a bad cop. Right. And and that's it's it, to say the least, it's it's unfortunate because I've been talking to a lot of my partners because mm-hmm. there's really no one else who will listen. Um, I think that that most people have that that's they're jumping on the stereotype that all cops are like this. We have like, this big group meeting where we're all saying which race of people we're going to go after. Mm-hmm. And like yesterday, I'm, I'm driving in a complex to, for a call for service and uh-huh. 16 year old kids are flipping me off saying, you yeah. know, after police. It's like, really? I was, I was just, I'm just doing my job. I'm, I'm, yeah. a, father, I'm a father and I wouldn't want, I don't, you know, like I tell people, you know, I don't go to your job. I don't cuss you out. I don't tell you you're, you're this or that. 
and it, it's unfortunate because there's a I've never had I've never worked with a, a quote unquote bad officer people you know I've, I've worked with people who've had bad days you know maybe not feeling the greatest or maybe a little frustrated mm-hmm. but never someone who you knew was not a good person and not serving the community I could come up with several examples and all my mentors have been African-American officers um, you know I wish I could shout out their names right now but you know they they taught me how to be police officers. So the way to make change is to mentor other officers. Mm-hmm. And I have I had great mentors throughout my career, even till this day. Um, and that's so important that you mentor other officers. There's a lot of things that people can do to make change. There's a lot of things that police officers can do to make change. But the number one thing is is people have to listen. Yeah, you, you can't have a discussion if someone's hollering in your face saying "f the police" mm-hmm. and "all oh, you're all racist." You can't have that conversation. Yeah, I think I want to. I, I definitely want to get into definitely the aftermath and what we've seen. But I think one last question. Um, I think we can both agree. I'm pretty sure all the every police officer can agree. Every person can agree. This, this police officer uh, is garbage. You know, and it sucks. Because that person is garbage, but that badge isn't, which which people get those two confused. Like the like those four, I think those four men, the the one that killed that George Floyd, sadly, and the the two the three other police officers that just stood there and didn't do anything. Um, it's it's just sad to see. But my question is, is this a person problem or a whole department problem? Because I always tell people. Um, like someone, because I remember you taught taught us in class that you have to go through extensive amount of screening and everything to even even being considered for a police a police officer. Um, like there is screening, but you know, someone that got screening maybe two years ago isn't the same person he probably is now, like ten years later after doing this for so long. So, like, do you think this is a person problem? Or the person just, you know, woke up on the wrong side of the bed and he's having a horrible day and sadly someone died? Or I think this is at fault of the whole department, uh, maybe not doing their research right or maybe something slipped? So that that's a kind of a two-part question. So the, mm-hmm. the first part, I would say, is if it's something that they could have found in his background, I wouldn't know. Um, that would be, I'm sure that everyone's going to know this guy's background whatever he did right or wrong throughout his career as the, the trial goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, each officer's background is, is pretty confidential uh, as far as, because there's, there's people who make mistakes in life and doesn't mean they can't be a police officer. That's something you can never. And, and, and the second part of that is you can never screen or filter or, or um, know for a fact what's in a person's heart or what's in their Mm -hmm. mind you never know what a a man or woman's true intentions are and that's that's where when you witness an injustice you have to speak on that injustice and Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've ever been in the museum of tolerance but i've been there at least 10 times and i learned something new about myself i learned more about you know the the power of words and the power to, to taking action when you see an injustice like I said before, I've never witnessed any injustice mm-hmm. from the men and women I've worked with. And, and 
I've never witnessed and I wouldn't stand for it. And I think that's the sentiment of most police officers that are out there is that I don't want to lose my career. I I don't want to be on the news. I, you know, Mm -hmm. this is how I support my family and I, my reputation with my last name that I have to protect, you know, my own, you know, your, your own reputation, your own career, your own morals, you have to protect. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. I would never lower my morals for, to protect another police officer just because they wore the same badge. That's something I'm I'm very proud of. And this is a noble profession. Mm -hmm. It is a very noble profession. I've used my education to help put bad guys in jail. Mm -hmm. Is there, are there evil people out there? There's evil people out there. And, and, there's a side of law enforcement that most people don't want to see that when we go out and, and arrest people. But in my experience, this quote unquote bad cop, I've, I've never witnessed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that when people get to know the police officers in their community, they'll see like, you know, everyone, for the most part, like I'll, I'll chop it up with someone anytime, any day. I'll sit and talk with them if they have a question. Mm-hmm. I'll sit and talk with them. Even even kids like kids have a lot of questions, even teenagers who don't like the cops. Like at first, they'll try to try to roast you or, you know, rag on you. Yeah. But when you rag on them back and you show them like, hey, I'm, I'm a funny guy, too. You think you're funny? I'm funny, too. You know, you, you start roasting them. And then it's kind of like you build a little rapport and you start talking. I've done that yeah. several times, you know, like where people try try roasting you. And like next thing you're doing you're talking all about what they want to do in college or sports or whatever i'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a father i, I don't, would never want anyone any officer disrespecting my kids much less me going out and disrespecting someone else you know yeah. it's just a, a basic human concept that we all learn in first grade is is just treat everyone with kindness and respect yes um i think uh, leading into the to this the, the aftermath um one thing that uh, they think people are starting to get mixed is protesters and rioters. Because uh, on my way back from my workout today, in front of Chino City Hall, there's a bunch of uh, people protesting, peaceful protesting. I see that, okay? And I'm like, you know what? Good on you guys. You guys want to change. But sadly, they will get mixed in with rioters and looters sadly and sometimes just things doesn't get done because of that mix my thing is like is is there a way to where how do i say this is there a way for police officers to look at protesters because those two just get mixed up out into all the chaos like what's the burden on a police officer when or what do you think the burden is on a police officer when stuff goes from zero to a hundred and you know, they're blamed for trying to calm a, a tense situation. So right now with the, with the protests, you know, we have to wear this gear. We have to yes. wear the riot shields. We have to wear the, the, the body protection because there are people out there who will, who will try to hurt us. And, you know, it's just for our, our own safety, you know, it, it gets hurt. You get hurt if you didn't wear a helmet, someone threw a, any bottle, even if the yeah. water bottle, that's for our safety. I know we look like we're we're um, doing that to look intimidating, but mm-hmm. it's just our job. Like you got to understand that we're there to protect people um, exercising their First Amendment rights. Yes. You know, I I enjoy watching people 
pro, uh, you know, exercise our First Amendment rights. You know, that mm-hmm. it's. I, I agree with them. If I was off duty, I would. I would be there too. Like, hey, we need change. We can all yes. agree that there's some change. However, there has to be a, a specific agenda that needs to be met. And saying f the police or uh, defunding police departments is not not progressive. You see, some of these in the poorest neighborhoods need the police there. Yes. And they need these community outreach programs. They need community policing to be active in their communities. So I don't think, in my own personal uh, opinion, I don't think defunding police departments is the answer. I, I don't think that, um, you know, sit down and have a conversation with the leaders of these departments. Sit down and say, how can we as a community um, solve these problems? You know, I, I've mm-hmm. thought about it in, in, several, in several ways that people could get involved in the aftermath. Maybe people should start getting more engaged civically, you know, mm-hmm. civic engagement, you know, learning about their local government. Who are the people in their city council? Who are their, their county board of supervisors? Who is their governor? And mm-hmm. get involved with learning about who's making the decisions that are funding the schools, parks, roads, and even the jobs in their community. The next thing I, I would say, too, is, is volunteering. Everyone out there mm-hmm. protesting who wants change should volunteer. Everyone out there has skills and talents that they could share, and all they have to do is sign up for their city's volunteer program. They don't even have to sign up for the police department's volunteer program. The mm-hmm. city, each city has its own volunteer program, and they could take the time to mentor a kid in their neighborhood. They can can take the time to to show younger kids in their community that they love and care for them and teach them a skill as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think uh, when you, I think education is very important too. Yes. You know, understanding what case law is, understanding what the penal codes uh, really say, understanding mm-hmm. different perspectives and, and be an advocate of your constitutional rights. You know, be an advocate of learning and educating and not automatically, you know, disenfranchising, you know, police officers who are out there doing their job, you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying everyone needs to be a police officer to make change. They, they don't they don't have to. But like I said, you could get you could be engaged civically. You can volunteer and educate. Those are those are good points that people should be doing to make change in their communities. And, and I think that, you know, holding up a sign and making an Instagram post is 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 fine. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there's anything wrong with it. However, uh, in the aftermath, if they do want to make change, take that extra step, volunteer a day, a day of your month, a day of your week, and and contribute to your own community. I can't change all of law enforcement from behind my desk in my house. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. But I'm very well, active in, in my community, even off duty. I'm active in my community. Yeah, and I think. And, um, oh, but, go ahead. Yeah, and, and even what, what I teach, you know, people that that I talk to, sit down, I'll talk to you. I'll, t- I'll tell mm-hmm. you my perspective on things. I, I'm not afraid, you know, to speak and and listen. I'm, I'm not completely one-sided because I'm a police officer. Yeah. Uh, I think I wanna, uh, one thing I want to ask is, you know, after all this is said and done, um, we'll see some change, we'll see some change. Uh, it all depends. Um, do you think there will be a spike or a decrease in people wanting to be police officers after this? My own personal opinion mm-hmm. is I would think that 
there would be less interest in, in people mm-hmm. who want to be a police officer. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult to retain um, police officers in the future. And there's already been a like a human resources crisis is what you know they, they call it in, in public administration. But there's already a, a shortage of people who are interested in this career. Like I said, it, it's a noble career, but it also takes a different type of person who's going to like deal with the conflict that's involved in being a police officer. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that in, in our society that when you have people committing crimes, violent crimes out there, that you would think that they would want to support the police to capture the people who are doing these violent acts and protect our society. However, we've been grouped in with the people, the same people who are committing the crimes, and we are now labeled as the criminals. And I think it's unfortunate. I don't think, I think it's going to take a very, very strong person mentally, emotionally, and physically to try to cope with that type of conflict. Mm. You know, if you look at, at the type of conflict that's there, it's like everyone like you, you're not even in a good position to to do your job when you're, everyone looks at you like you're an evil person. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very difficult to hire and retain these people. And that's going to be up to police officers in the community to start recruiting, you know, at least sharing their experiences with people and how they can make a difference. Because, you know, it, it, it does take people to make a difference. It takes... It takes people. It takes yeah. human hours to make a difference. You can't depend on, on on the leaders of any organization. It takes you as a person educating yourself, doing the best job you can with integrity in any mm-hmm. any position, anywhere, not just police officers, anywhere. And I think that in the aftermath of this, I, I would see less and less interest because it's not it's not i guess prestigious or maybe not as um respectable to people in general that's a very very general statement so yeah i'm just saying i would think there would be less interest yeah have you have you been uh sent out to a a protest yes uh, not- when you go do they tell you guys to to not talk or if someone or do you try to do you try to make conversation and just say hey like i'm on your side here well the, the ones that we were that i've been sent to were very small mm-hmm. in comparison like maybe uh you know a couple hundred but mm-hmm. i was more of like a perimeter position like just guarding mm-hmm. traffic so like i said you know we're there to protect the protesters to make sure cars don't you know hit them or you know yes. they're not walking out into the streets so it's hard to to go up and just talk to people and engage. It's kind of not really the time or place to, mm-hmm. to go up and engage, you know. So that's why it looks like so, it looks so uh, like militaristic. Deadpan. Yeah, it looks so militaristic because how are you going to have a conversation with someone when they're saying F the police and yeah. all cops are bastards and they're saying all this stuff and you're, how are you supposed to have an educated conversation like how are you supposed to get to know that person yeah and that's not the time or place it's kind of like well it but if you look at it some of these 
these people who are anti-police who just want to hurt these officers out there they're not there to talk to to the police or get our, our yeah. story, story you know those, those people are there because they want to incite some violence and take advantage of the opportunity that the cops aren't going to go chase them they could throw a rock at a cop and be lost in the crowd yeah so you have those that that element of people who are, are not there to have a conversation and i think for the most part no one's there to really have a conversation and like you see some funny videos like on tiktok where uh, i was watching some where the the people are are kind of joking around with the cops like kind of roasting them but they're kind of yeah. like, you know the cops laugh and stuff it's like yeah we're human we're not we're not told yeah. to stand there with a straight face you know and it's just it's different experiences. I can't say I've, I've, I haven't been sent to LA obviously because I, I don't work in that County, but mm -hmm. they, those officers are, are seeing a lot different than what I experienced. So city by city, County by County, each officer is going to have a different perspective what's going on. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just, it's, it's a unique time. It's, it's very strange times. Like with the, the whole coronavirus stuff to go from that into yeah. civil unrest, it's kind of it's it's very very awkward and uh, i don't know it's it's uh i guess it's disheartening yeah now with the, with the now the protesters i i think what they're doing is good as long as they know why they're there they right. know what they're doing and they want to actually you know change but then you know sadly as we've seen first uh, first in minneapolis you know, the whole city was destroyed mm -hmm. um, by rioters, looters. And now that's traveling across the country. We're just seeing pop-ups of riots and looters. Now, the, the, the thing that I'm just like, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm questioning why they're doing this. Because I've seen videos of some of these people, of their businesses. Like, I saw this quote that said... Um, COVID didn't close us down, but this definitely will. I'm like, that's that's a person. That's that's not even involved with the police or anything. That's just a person trying to, you know, make day to day. Um, and now it's destroyed because I want to say the movement as a whole because that's not fair to them. Right. But we're seeing that these people are destroying owned businesses, some even owned by African Americans. Um. And destroying targets and all that, and I, I don't, I don't know what you, how you feel about. It, and I'll let you get into it, but I just think that you doing this is just gonna make your community and the people hate your cause as a whole, which, which taints the whole, the whole like movement, I guess. Right, and and I think the conversation is going, you know, the conversation on social media and the media is going away from the real injustice that mm -hmm. occurred. And to the rioters, you know, breaking in a target, mm -hmm. and that that's become the new sensation because um, it's it's sad. Like people are going to different communities and destroying their communities where they have to yep. live, where they have to work, where they have to walk to their car and see if it's been vandalized or like um, um, like that first target that everyone first saw. The uh, the department did identify. I think they said maybe three hundred or so people, and they said most of those people. We're not even from that city. Yeah, and and that's uh, it's sad because you look at what it takes to build up a community—the time, the effort, the money, the funding, mm -hmm. everything that's evolved—and in, in one week, 
whatever progress was going on in that specific neighborhood is is gone. And mm-hmm. even even the homeless people who live there, like that's their home too. You know, yeah. you just you just destroyed their home as well. And the, the amount of stress that people are going through, even with the coronavirus being, you know, quarantined, like I, I I've been on this earth quite a while and I've never had a quarantine. Mm-hmm. Now you have civil unrest in your neighborhood. Psychologically, that's gonna stress people out. It's gonna make mm-hmm. people feel uneasy, it's gonna make them feel you know not protected and which is a basic human need to feel like you're you're being cared for you know and i think with the uh right now people are looking for a sense of belonging they're looking for a sense of of reasoning and they want change but i think that specific change needs to be um there has to be an agenda for specific change Mm-hmm. So, like, departments have use of force policies, there's case law, there's, you know, the, the whole court process, but the time to, in the aftermath and in rebuilding these neighborhoods, it's going to take everyone. And, like, mm-hmm. in every class I taught, I t- in every community panel I talk about, I say, I tell them the police, uh, crime, it's not, it's not our problem. Crime is not our problem. It's a community problem, and it takes everyone. It takes all hands on deck to solve crime and make people feel protected and safe in their community. It's not just the police. If you look at any city, like a small city, like uh, you you mentioned Chino, right? So Chino, yes. Chino probably has maybe 12 patrol officers on duty mm-hmm. at, at a time. And maybe, I don't know how big Chino is, maybe, what, 30 square miles, 40? Yeah, around so, that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you think about a city like that, that... A cop can't be anywhere, everywhere. Crime is going to occur. They're going to go and take the report. But those people who live in those neighborhoods where crime is constantly occurring, that something people in that community need to get involved in their own community. And people who want to make change from other communities can go and contribute as well. That's what I'm saying. Like the volunteering is huge. Be, a, be an advocate, be a volunteer, get engaged. And, and that's what I advocate to people is that if you want change, you can't just sit back and wait for someone to wave a magic wand. And, you know, yeah. you, you know, you never know what the political climate is. You never know who's in office. Get to know those people, hold them accountable. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, uh, you know, in, in the departments I've worked for, we've had coffee with a cop. We've had like mm-hmm. community outreach uh, events and stuff like that. Which I think are great. I think it's a great way for cops to... Trying to, get, trying to get the community to kind of look at the police officers and go, this is who we are. We have faces. We're not faceless. I think the, yeah. I think those kind of things are really well. Even if, like, if I go to Ayala for a 4th of July thing, I just see I just see a cop just walking around, you know. I just think, oh, he's here, you know, to protect, to protect the community while everyone else is having fun. Right. So I think those programs are really great. Yeah, and those are community policing uh, components. And, in, in, yeah, those are very important. But I'll tell you one thing, like, the copy of the cop. Usually we have maybe four or five older people show up, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, what happened to all these these Instagram posts and uh, you know all these things that you wanted to talk about? Where are you at? We're here. We're ready to talk to you. You mm-hmm. know, and it's kind of frustrating because it's like you look at and you think about it. Police departments, you know, they post stuff that they they do that's community policing wise on their Instagrams and Facebooks, and they do that. But the real people you have to do the community policing with is the people who the disenfranchised the, the homeless mm-hmm. the criminals themselves you know 
and I used to uh, be part of a reentry program. And one of the things that I found most successful was supporting their support structures. So, like, let's say if someone came out of prison and they're going through some type of reentry program, is supporting the family because they're going to influence that person not to commit mm-hmm. crime, or at least incentivize that person to make a change in their own life. It all comes down to free will. Mm-hmm. So if a person feels that they're being supported and they have that sense of belonging in their own home, I believe in my personal experience that they would be more inclined to make a change in their decisions. Mm-hmm. Now you throw in you throw in a little sprinkle of behavioral health issues and another little sprinkle of, of uh, addiction to alcohol or narcotics, and then you have a whole nether realm. And if, mm-hmm. if people don't help themselves and take advantage of these these resources that are out there, then how is change going to take place? Yeah, I think um, with I think the hard part with cops is now is now they have to fight an upwards battle to maybe just be thrown back down by another bad apple. It's it's so unpredictable. Yeah, but I I think it's good that cops don't give up on trying to try and build like build up their relations with the community. So I, th- I think that's what shows true character um, is getting pushed down and that person or group of people are just going to keep going back up, even if they might get pushed down again. And I think, well, I think once, I think we'll be seeing like some more, you know, outreach. I know Chino's going to be doing something with the police officers. So I think that's good. I think, but every department's been doing that before this happened. Yeah. It's just people people don't want to learn about their police department. People want to yeah. say, oh, well, we need community outreach programs. Every department has a community outreach program. Every department has community liaisons. Community policing is not a new philosophy. It's been around since the, the late 70s, community policing. So yeah. when, when people say, oh, well, they should be, uh, you know, this or that, it's like, well, we, at least in my experience in California policing is that we are doing that, and police departments across the country are doing that. You know, people mm-hmm. want to to hate on progress, but there's been a lot of progress. Look at the the documents that the you know the pillars of 21st century policing. You know, all those stuff have have the, all that has been implemented. Look at each department's uh, mission statement. Look at their vision statements. You know, those are constantly being re rewritten to talk about a department's goals and what they want to do as far as the future of their police departments. And you talk at all these brilliant, there's brilliant officers and there's brilliant administrators. People think there's a bunch of like dumb cops out there just waiting to beat someone up. And there's cops who have ideas who are, hey, let's do this program, let's do this. And if the funding's right, the manpower's right, and, you know, everyone's on board, there's some great community policing programs already out there. That people don't know about, like yeah. great programs. Now, do you, know? you think and, they just don't know about them, or do you think they just choose not to know about them? I think there's a little bit of both. I, I think mm-hmm. that people don't, you know, if let's just say your your uh, X Y Z gang member, do you think he's following the the San Bernardino Sheriff's Instagram? No. Do, do you think do you think he's looking at the press release from the county sheriff? Do you think that he's going to coffee with the cop? You know, no. I I mean that that's. I don't want to sound ignorant or anything, but I I doubt that 
you know, they're following our Instagram page. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, when you think that you want to engage, it's like you won't, when you arrest people, I, I talk to them with, with, you know, like after whatever incident goes down, you talk to them because they're a man, you're a man, you look at each other, you're like, you're doing other paperwork or whatever. And you talk mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, try to, this is what you can do to change your own life. I've had many conversations, you know, absent, you know, that they don't want to talk to me at all or they're under the influence. But I've had conversations with people and, you know, tell them like, hey, dude, you know, change, change your life. Like this is, this should be a turning point for you. This should be the tipping mm-hmm. point in your life that you say, hey, you know what? I, I need to change. I need to be there for my children. Uh, I need to, to do this. And, and police departments are out there helping people already. So that's not a new concept. And the way yeah. I'm, the sentiment I'm expressing is not unique. So I, I know I'm speaking right now, and it's mm-hmm. hard for me to, to say, oh, I'm speaking for all law enforcement. But what I'm saying is that a lot of officers, the major, every officer I've worked for has cared about their job. They're very passionate about their job, and mm-hmm. they're constantly studying and training and um you know are very faithful to their profession so i don't want like you or anyone to think oh well this guy's a good cop he's you know he's one of the good guys there's a lot of good guys there's a lot of good men and women and women are very powerful in in law enforcement as well you know i i I mean you gotta hand it to them like everyone every it's all hands on deck and everyone's working everyone's doing their jobs like this is our our chosen career like I remember when like this whole all cops are bad thing started to really started picking up again because it's always been here. You know, it's always been all cops are bad. I mean, even even if it wasn't like that this big, but when it started getting bigger, I was like, I I, I just can't believe that because my aunt and uncle or sheriffs they aren't bad people. They're out there. They're not out there killing people for just you know get a kick out of it. Um, then I was like, oh my my teacher, my old teacher, you know. He 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 was great, a great teacher. He seemed like a great cop. Um, then your the guest speaker, Officer Tillman, um, legit, like probably one of the sickest cops I ever met. Uh, like <laughs> I, I can't, yeah, I can't I can't sit here and let people say all cops are bad because I know that's factually wrong. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I I it's like not it. fair for you guys. Right. I like what Officer Tillman's doing. I really believe in uh, Breaking Barriers United. I, I really, mm-hmm. really believe in, in his organization. You know, that's why I'm giving him a shout out. But I really love the mission that he's doing. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure somewhere there's probably been some some hurdles he had to jump over. And it's hard for law enforcement officers to uh or department administrators to have their officers go out and speak to the public like that. So he, mm-hmm. he really broke barriers to, uh, with at least getting the word out to the community. And, it and takes he, has a, he has a unique background cause he hated cops and then now he's a cop. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of officers who've grown up, you know, not liking the cops, but they, they think, you know, they, you know, I've talked to several guys who didn't like cops growing mm-hmm. up i wanted to be a cop since i was a kid there's some guys that they saw an opportunity that they can make change in their community and they actually got to work in the city that they grew up in and they love their city you mm-hmm. know it's funny when you really think about it like some people really love their communities yeah. and because you have that sense of belonging in your community yeah. you have that sense of i'm familiar with these streets i'm familiar with the police department i know that the but I'm asking people to be more familiar with their cities and by getting yeah. to know their community leaders and hold them accountable for, for 
you know, funding for funding programs or funding this or that. Get more involved. And that, that's what I always advocate. Love your community because that's where you live. And yeah. and you have to protect your community. Yeah. Um, going from, you know, inside the law, as we are right now, to <clears throat> something that's outside the law um, with vigilantes, not like Batman or anything, but <laughs> um, there's a group of hackers or whatever they like to be called named Anonymous. And they have come out and said that they will be releasing a bunch of information about a bunch of stuff regarding the police officer, the president, yada, yada, yada. How do you feel about the law being taken into, or someone taking the law into their own hands, um, pretty much working outside the law, but working for a good cause? Well, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. But like I said, you know, you, you never know what people's true intentions are. I guess their intentions are, are destruction, not mm -hmm. progress. So I would say that they're, they're just by, by what they're putting out is they want to destroy the reputation of all law enforcement and any use of force that's ever been committed. I, I've had to use force. So if, mm -hmm. if you use force within the law, within your policy, within, you know, moral realm, does that mean you're automatically a bad officer? Like, how could you go your whole career with never having to use force? Like, there's people out there who are violent. There's people who yeah. violently resist, who go and attack others. And you look at these these mass shootings that are occurring, you know, throughout history. And you say, well, if, if you disarm police officers, then when that guy shows up to a crowd of people and starts shooting, if yeah. you... If you um, do this, what is going to happen? What are the consequences of that happening? And I mm -hmm. think that when you in answer your question even further, what is going to happen? What do you think is the consequence of that happening? If you, it, I understand that the truth should be out there. Yes, justice should be served. Yes, we're mm -hmm. appropriate. But you got to look at is the intention to destroy law enforcement. I, I believe that law enforcement is a necessary. Um, a necessary service that you have to have in, in any community. You know, we can't go back to the old days of, you know, blowing a whistle and, you know, tapping the ground with our batons. You know, we have to uh, have the proper equipment, the proper training, the proper education. Now, as far as them taking the law into their own hands, I don't think that's, that, I don't think that's lean, leaning towards progress. I, I don't mm. think that that's going to be very, um, that's not a progressive Productive. movement. That, that's more destructive. And I think their intent is to um, destroy it. And that's even going to further dissuade people from wanting to be a police officer, you know, like yeah. in the future. So you, th you, you look at what do you really want? What do you really want to happen? Do you want to see um, legislation change? Do you want to see department policy change? Do you want to see hiring practices change? I think in the aftermath of this, you have to say, you know, specifically define an agenda of what change. Mm -hmm. And then that way departments can work towards making that change. No mm -hmm. department saying that they're perfect. No police officers saying that they're perfect. What mm -hmm. they're saying is we want the same thing you want. We want yeah. change, but I'm not going to go out there and, and try to dig up dirt on someone to, to I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't know the answer to that. I just think that if their true intention is to de to destroy and, and cause more havoc. Yeah. 
Um, well, one other thing I'm seeing online is um, make sure you're registered to vote. This is, this is the year. Um, vote, vote, vote. But they're saying more presidential. Now, I, I get, you know, voting's great. Um, should the target be the presidential seat or, like, I'm trying, how do I put this? I, I, Should I, the I, target be the presidential seat more so than the community seats, I guess, is how I would put it. Okay, so I, that's a very good question. And I've never been asked that before, but I've been waiting to be asked that question. So goes back to my statement about civic engagement. Mm-hmm. I'm a strong advocate of civic engagement and getting to know people know Trump and F Trump and F this. But what about your city council? You, mm. Do you know who your city council, you know who your mayor is of your city? Mm. That's a rhetorical question, but I'm just saying, do people really know? I actually know? just found out that the, the mayor was a woman recently. Cause I, I, um, in China, I always grew up with the same mayor, and I was like, oh, it's the same guy. But then I saw it like, when the whole COVID stuff happened, and the, new, and the mayor was on Facebook. I was like, whoa, I didn't even know that. Right, that's I, what I'm I saying. Start getting updated. The people who have more power over your day-to-day life, your roads, your police services, your school funding, your park funding, is your your city councils, your mm-hmm. county board of supervisors, and your governor. You know, that's just basic civics. You know, I'm not being fully thorough. I mean, there's a lot of other people involved. Yeah. But, but, you know, um, there's I, I advocate that people get to know all of their, their local politicians. Yeah. So if you want your voice heard, if there's something that you want change in your community, Trump isn't there. The president isn't there um, worried about how you're going to clean up your park. Yeah. You know, that's not his concern. If you look at basic civics, the um, executive branch is primarily uh, uh, international, you know, international trade, uh, the military, you know, the, the nation's defense. Currency. Those are the type of things that the executive branch is is responsible for, and not to get too deep in in the politics or or my party affiliation. But you got to think, the power is in the community. The power mm. of of change comes down from the very basic root of your your who your city council is, who your your representatives are, your senators, your your governor. That's where your day to day life is more affected. And I think that people, it's, it's become, um, I guess, popular on social media. And I know people are very passionate about whether they like the president or not. And, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, that, that would lead into a whole bigger debate. But what I'm, advocating, yeah. what I'm advocating is that people get involved in their community. There's a really good TED Talk. There's some really good TED Talks on civic engagement that are really uh, insightful uh on on how to get involved in your community um let me see i'm trying to find it right now um yeah because like um i always see people online saying we got to vote them out we got to vote them out like trump this trump that and you know i've criticized the guy i mean i've i'm not gonna sit here and be one-sided about it he's already in charge me being one side is not gonna change much right now right um so I'll look at it both sides. Um, but right now, when I see people go, oh, vote them out, vote them out, vote them out. Like, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, you vote them out. Congratulations. You get 
the pretty much diet Obama, okay? Um, um, and let's say another white police officer kills a black man. That's like, just because you voted someone differently doesn't mean the whole world's going to be like, change like that overnight. Right. That, right. That's community based. That's not because right. in, in the presidential mind, he's more focused on, like you said, international trades, international negotiations, um, um, you know, military, all that stuff. It's, it's, I think it's the, the people's job in each community to go out and know who who's representing them. Because yep. I think that's the one thing that people are really missing right now. Because they yeah. don't know who's representing them. And they're more so just pointing to the guy at the big right. seat. Right. And Because and, he, he can't just go out and just say, he, like, uh, the president has, doesn't have enough time to go out into each department, right. vet everything and all that. That's the, that's the city councils and all that. That's all right. them. And people need to know who they're voting in. Because when people think, like, voting, their mind instantly goes to president. Right. I don't think anybody's mind really goes to city like, voting and all that their, their county board of supervisors yeah. their their water departments their you know their the people who have a lot of power on their day-to-day you yeah. know lives their, their parks their schools you know and, and that's why i'm a big advocate that's why i got involved with my community because i want to make change i want to before all this happened, I've wanted to make change. So, so it's, yeah. that's why I've, I've been involved. I do a lot of volunteering. I volunteer for, for the the my city senior center when the the coronavirus stopped started. And I'm not here to pat myself on the back, but I'm saying is, I, I'm I'm trying to set the example for others. That way, they can't say, "Well, you say all this stuff about civic engagement. What do you do?" Oh, I do a lot. I volunteer. Yeah. You know, I volunteer my time. I'm part of our our community um, commissions. I'm uh, I create stuff for some of the nonprofits here in the community. Like, you know, I'm pretty good with social media, so I'll create like a post for them or video. And through that, that skill, I've been able to raise money for that nonprofit organization yeah. I've been able to get donations because, you know, people just need to know they, they I'm, I consider myself like a connector, you know, and people when you when you are engaged in a community like that, people will follow. If, even if, if you decide, hey, I want to be more active in my community, I would go to bet that one of your friends, one of your relatives is going to come along with you. Mm-hmm. And when, and then after that, one of their friends or family is going to say, oh, mm-hmm. I want to volunteer too. What, it, how, do you, how do you like volunteering for your city? Oh, I like it. Pretty much you're going to be posting that stuff on, your, on your, your Instagram saying, hey, you know, I came out to this great community event. It went really mm-hmm. cool. People are going to see that. And then that's where the wildfire spreads. And that's where positive change comes about is getting involved in your community. Like, and I'm not telling everyone, go volunteer with your police department. You know, I understand people don't like the police, but your cities have plenty of opportunities to volunteer. Yeah. And they need your, your time and your skills to volunteer. Yeah. I think with, um, with just city stuff, like, I think people just don't do city stuff that doesn't involve, you know, like a fourth of july picnic like those big ones uh-huh. like people don't want to go do like the whole i think people could kind of scare when they hear volunteering right and then they're like well i'm using my time when right. i could be out doing something else right. but when like even then when i think even like so chino has a fourth of, they're not gonna have one this year for obvious reasons 
Yeah. Um, they have a Fourth of July fireworks show. They have all a bunch of booths and all a bunch of stands. That kind of stuff brings a community together, in my opinion. Right. Um, and it really helps. But I feel like things would be a lot better if those same people. I'm gonna call myself out here because I'm one of those people too. Um, that if those same people go out and volunteer more and all that. And um, I think. I just think people need to be more involved with their cities more so yeah. than online. Yeah, then that's why I tell, I tell, I advocate to everyone, get involved in the community, volunteer some time, watch your city council meetings. They have them online. You don't even have to show up physically. Yeah. With, with, with the power of social media and the internet, all this access to information is so, so powerful. And like I, I mentioned, the TED Talk, watch some TED Talks. There's some great mm -hmm. TED Talks that might in, inspire you or motivate you to get more involved in your community. Mm -hmm. Now, that that civic engagement that I keep talking about is is it's so important to a community, you know, like to any community. You look at some of these communities that are struggling with funding for personnel. There's some great people that are volunteering, even behind the scenes people who aren't physically volunteering, donating money, donating mm -hmm. groceries, donating clothing. Like there's some amazing in working with one of the nonprofits in our city, and you see people who when this pandemic broke out, amazing people came forward with donations. And it's just like, mm -hmm. wow, I'm, I was like shocked because as I learned more about my city and I learned about how people in the city give, it's just so like inspiring. Like, I, I guess there's no other way to describe it. Like you just see people yeah. doing some great work in the community who will never get credit for it. Some yeah. of them in, in all ages, then they don't need credit. They're not looking for credit. They're not looking for a social media post. They're, they're not looking for that, but yeah. you find fulfillment in, in doing that. And like, like I told you, I, I volunteer for the senior center when the whole pandemic started. Now mm -hmm. that I know what amazing people work there and what they're doing for the community, even after the pandemic ends, I'm still going to volunteer because I, I, I like their mission. I like what they're mm -hmm. doing. So when I tell people to go out and, and yeah, holding a sign up on street corner, that, that's, that's right now, but what's going to happen next? I would like to see what you, what you're gonna do next um, yeah. to, to contribute to change, and then and then I think that yeah you, you you could always have the argument well you know just because I go stand at a street corner and block off the street volunteering that's gonna change anything it's gonna change something for your community you have to start mm -hmm. off at the at the the micro level of your your community your community is so important. You know, and and yeah. holding your community leaders accountable and being active, and not just waiting for uh, a crisis to evolve, is going to mean more than more to someone in that mm -hmm. community. It's going to mean a lot. Like when I've done like community cleanups um, through through my work, and when you go out and do those cleanups, people in the neighborhood come out and they grab. Hey, you got an extra broom, and they'll help sweeping too. Yeah. Why didn't they grab that broom before we went out and did this project? There could be a lot of factors. Maybe fear. could have been laziness. It could have been anything. But when you see people working to make things better, they, mm -hmm. they'll follow you. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. So like, like I said, when you, an example. when you volunteer, people will follow. People will volunteer mm -hmm. as well. And it's just it's an amazing thing. Like I, I used to be a Boy Scout when I was little. And, you know, seeing this, these projects. And you just see people coming out from the community and, you know, music and, you know, have a drink and be a community for, for a day. 
you know, mm -hmm. that's what drives me to be involved in my community and my state. You know, I, I look for yeah. I, I would like to go into politics someday. I would like to be a leader someday. Because I think that um, I think I can make some change, too. I think that in, in my I, I just I feel that way. Don't know if it'll yeah. ever pan out, but I feel that way. You know, it's yeah. just something that that's inside of me. Uh, going from this this serious situation to another serious situation, um, so we've covered the this this video, the whole aftermath and everything, and how people can fix it. One thing I'm actually curious about is, you know, before all this happened, how, how was it working as a police officer during this? like once in a probably maybe three or two lifetime experience a pandemic like this is nobody yeah. in this lifetime has ever seen something <laughs> like this no this is i i'm like i'm just they must be horrified a, it's another shocker because you think we don't know everything we don't know what's going on and yeah. you see all these conspiracy theories and you think wow i really don't know what's going on and then you look at at even like the protests and how nothing's really spiked and then say i really don't know nothing now yeah it's that's, like, all, that's it's, all i was kind of thinking too like all these protesters and has i ever anything about a spike about this like what's going on i i don't know either maybe it's too soon to tell i i don't yeah, that's I, true. I don't know but working in my department has been phenomenal with their response to the coronavirus like i can't even I can't even describe it in detail. They, they just came out with a whole strategic plan of okay. how to take care of their their uh, the men and women of the of the department, sworn and non sworn. And and I can't speak on any other department because I don't know specifically what they've done. But mm -hmm. I feel very supported. I feel very safe. And I'm not just trying not to kiss up to anyone. That's just the way yeah. I feel. Like this is a very situate, very dangerous situation that we know of. Or that we could presume from what the, the experts are saying, but it's very unique. It's very like um, I was on a call yesterday, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I we wear masks at work, so you yeah, know, you know, you think people come up to you and they're not wearing masks, and you know, you're coming in close contact with them, and you think like yeah. it makes you think like, well, if I let's say I wasn't wearing my mask and this person did have it, you, you know, you'd have a pretty could have a chance of a solid exposure. Yeah, and, you know, I, I come home to my family and, you know, am I, am I spreading it and not knowing it yet? Do I know yeah. it? But, um, like we revamped our whole policy during this time to, you know, maintain like, you know, our distance and wear masks and we have tons of protective equipment that mm. they've invested in. So like, I can't, and like I said, I'm not trying to kiss up to my department, you know, I'm not going to go play this video for my chief, but yeah. You know, I think that they did a great job and, you know, I, I, I wish I was in school right now so I could write about it. You know, like I, I want to yeah. write, like I, I feel compelled to like write about like our response to, to the, the whole pandemic, because I think it should be memorialized somewhere that, you know, yeah. what, what we did as a department. Cause I, I've always wondered that ever since kind of in the middle of this started, like, like, they tell us six feet apart, six feet apart. Well, police officers have to make arrests, and that's that's not six feet. Like, what do you, do you is there anything that you guys do differently? Like, let's say you pull someone over, um, you have your mask on, your gloves, and all that, and you tell them, "Sir, can you step out of the car?" 
Uh, is there anything different you guys do now that you wouldn't do before because of this pandemic? Um, no, myself, tactic, te- uh, tactically, I haven't because that's what I've trained to do. Like I've trained my mind to 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 do things a certain way and to not come to, I mean, it's unavoidable. Like, you know, yeah. if you have to go run inside a house and do CPR and something, you wear your mask and gloves at the very least. Uh, we have full body suits if we know someone is potentially um, uh, like a COVID-19 um, exposure. Like our dispatchers will filter the call. They'll do the questionnaire over the phone. But in emergency situations where they can't get that information and we have to just run up on okay. scene and, and handle a situation, some officers have been exposed. Um, no one's tested positive, but there's been exposures and the department has supported those officers. Like there's a whole plan if someone gets exposed. So from decontaminating, okay. from decontamination to, you know, maybe putting them in a hotel if they have to quarantine outside of their home. Yeah. To, um, you know, emotional, mental health support services that they're all also offering. So if they covered, I don't think there's anything that they haven't covered. Okay, that's good then. Yeah. But like with, with this whole outbreak, is it, was it a good point in time? Like I'm like, I'm talking from, I guess, beginning of April to ending of May, like when that pandemic was at, it's probably its peak for the uh-huh. U.S. Uh-huh. Like, was at that time I, I want I always wanted to ask this to a police uh-huh. officer was there a point in time where things almost felt peaceful or did you guys still get a decent amount of calls like as a normal day because <laughs> everyone's inside yeah and, that, and that's everything. Funny, you, you know what uh, I was on graveyard at the time and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was completely quiet where I worked and there was no traffic on the streets. And it was funny because I remember one time, um, you know, we got a, a call about uh, some guy at the gas station. And they, they didn't know if he was, it was just like a suspicious subject call, right? Yeah. So I, I stood there by my car. I just watched him. I didn't even contact him. I didn't even want to contact I just wanted him to see like, hey, there's a police officer right here watching you, you know. Yeah. So he came up to me and he's like, why are you effing with me? And so I go, I don't even want to talk to you. I go, I'm not even detaining you. I go, but it does look weird that you're out here and no one is in the gas station parking lot. Yeah. No one is in every, there's a pandemic and you're out here at two in the morning, <laughs> yeah. you know, checking business door handles or something. I go, it does look awkward, bro. You know, it, it looks awkward. So yeah. I, I said, I don't even want to pat you down. I don't want to check your ID. I don't even want to to come in contact with you. I, and he goes like, well, you're just messing with me. I go, I didn't even talk to you. You came up to me. So it was it was a funny interaction, it was a funny story, but uh, I mean, it just kind of like goes to, there was literally it felt like, like a movie, like you know, like yeah. a, like a Twilight Zone series where the streets. Mm-hmm. Are I thought about that too. Uh, I thought about the Twilight Zone too. I was like, this is such a Twilight Zone episode. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's just crazy. Like you, you I'm just crazy. waiting for the for the for the twist at the end. At this point, I don't I don't even know what's gonna happen. Like none of us know what's gonna happen. And it's like. You think with the protests that this is what day seven since it started? Uh, uh, yeah, seven or six, one of those. At two. least in Cal- at least in California, probably. Like, oh yeah. But you probably think like, I, yeah. I don't? I'm not an expert at all, but you know, just 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 in talking, like I think what is it like 14 days where you could go asymptomatic or something like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I guess I would be. I'm very curious to see if this. 
spikes in the next few weeks. And I don't That's want it to spike. Thinking. I don't want it to spike at all. Like, I don't, I don't want... It's just going to get scarier after that because... Yeah. I don't know. This uh, it, it, it's crazy with all these protests. I'm so, like, okay, I'm hearing all these protests, but I'm not hearing that many people say we shouldn't be outside right. anymore. Or, like, right. I don't know. It's kind of weird. If it doesn't spike, like, as much as it probably should have, uh-huh. I'm going to be very confused. Yeah, me too. I think everyone's like, in the like, same boat. Yeah. There's like thousands of people clumped right. together in one area. And right. no one, and not maybe, so out of a thousand, maybe not, maybe 150 people are going to get it. I don't, I don't even know. At least. I hope no one does. But yeah. if it well, does. the sounds of it, I mean, I haven't heard anything, like no spikes or anything, so. I was watching the uh, news this morning, and and they didn't talk about any, but they said that it's still kind of early to tell. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I hope for the best. I hope that we can get through all of this, you know, together, and people continue to at least, at least use personal protection equipment, you know, like their their masks and stuff, just till we figure out what's going on. Like, I don't. Yeah. Like I'm just a normal guy like you, where I I have no idea what's going on. But we yeah. literally, my family, we we literally started to just uh, like invite my parents over the house and yeah, you know, close family and close friends. But like we haven't gone to because um, we're like in we're in stage three right now, um, California wise. I I from I've heard we are going to go into stage four pretty soon. Um, as far as like reopening, yeah, I think as far as we I think what I've heard we're going to go into stage four pretty soon. Because um, everything looks like it's not calming down, but controllable. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Um, yeah. So I guess kind of to end this, because my podcast always has a theme. Uh-huh. Um, it always revolves around. It always revolves around this. And I think now is a good time to do it before kind of end on a lighthearted note. Okay. Um, so my my podcast, I'll do a movie one. And I'll talk about movies, and I'll always go back to Star Wars uh-huh. and how much I hate and how much I hate the new movies. And uh-huh. I always ask my guest, "How do you like the new Star Wars movies?" And I have to ask you, "How do you like <laughs> not not the spinoff, the the episodes?" Right. What what what, what the the episodes or the the other the, the the newer movies? No, the movies, the movies. Episode Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> you know what? I gotta keep it OG on that one. <laughs> I like the old ones still. The old yeah. ones are still my favorite. The new ones, I I felt like they got a little confusing, and I felt mm. a little bit more, uh, like disengaged with them. Like visually, they're cool, but uh, <laughs> with the Force Awakens, there was just so many things that like I was like, no, like yeah. it, was just, it was. I just shook my head like, no, come on, what do you? I, I don't know. They, I think they got a little confusing. Yeah, I gotta um, keep it OG on, on all the old ones. I I still I still watch those. Yeah, because uh, for so- someone like me that like grew up with the the the, the episodes one, two, and three, uh-huh. um, and me growing up learning about you know that universe and all that, going into the new movies, it's it's crazy to see how they messed up. But I I have to ask, um, yeah. have you seen? Have you seen um, episodes one, two, and three? Not the, the not the new new ones, but like the ones that were from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand five. Yeah. Um, so for for police officers 
I don't know. Are you guys open to wearing clone armor? Like clone armor? Yeah, you know, like the the guys that wear the the armor, and during the <laughs> wars. Are you guys open to wearing that armor to kind of you know maybe show people? Like, no, see, cool. <laughs> no. You know what? I don't even like wearing the armor vest itself because it's uh, so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, and people always say you're wearing thirty pounds of gear. Like the your belt, your makes your pants sag. And, yeah, makes you you gotta wear your belt tight so that your pants don't sag, and then your your vest is so uncomfortable when it's hot. I would not want to put anything else on. <laughs> and then these helmets, these riot helmets, like you know, for the time being, we gotta wear you know on the protest, but they're heavy too. Those things gotta yeah. weigh at least ten pounds. Yeah. And so as far as like a full outfit of gear, I gotta say <laughs> hell to the no on that one because you'll, you'll turn that one down. Yeah, I'll turn that one down real quick because that's a little too heavy. Too much armor. All right, that's fair. If you have to use the restroom, yeah. you got to take all that stuff off, you know? Yeah. I, my podcast always goes back to that theme, just, you know, Star Wars. Right. I'm, very, I'm very passionate about that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but thank you for coming on. And I hope people listening to this, you know, yeah. they hear this and they, they hopefully they get a different opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think that although my whatever I say isn't God's truth, you know, you got to mm-hmm. – you know, at least we listen. I'm no different than anyone else. I'm part of the community too, and like that's the most important thing for people to remember is that that uh, police are the public, public are the police, and you know we're we're living, breathing human beings. We're not special. This is just our chosen profession. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right, well, I wanna I wanna thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I, I know I wanted to do this one. Um, right away before i start getting into the more lighthearted ones uh-huh um because i think next week i want to do a um i want to do a movie review with a buddy of mine i just don't know a movie yet we kind of want to do an old one but we'll see what happens but i wanted to do this one because i think the topic's perfect and i think people need maybe there's that that, that one person that says i don't like cops and then he hears this and he may he may change his opinion which is yeah. good yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I, I don't mind talking to people. I'm, I'm not, mm-hmm. not saying anything out of, out of policy or out of, you know, nothing too extreme. So, I mean, I'm, I'll talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you to everyone listening. And I'll see you guys later. Or, or where, can, where can they find you? Or if you, if you want to, if you have anything you want to like, put out to the public, that is. Say again? Do you, do you want to shout out anything to put out to the public or just just leave it as is? Uh, no, I, I think, that, yeah, I guess I just just to, to remember, just to get involved in, the, in your communities and, you know, listen to, to the messages that, like, Breaking Barriers United, you know, since they were brought up, I think that's mm-hmm. a great organization to continue the conversation as well uh, with police officers and, and at least the, the messages. And I think getting involved, getting to know your police officers I think that's a, a great opportunity to to be civically engaged, and I just I, I want the same thing that everyone else wants. You know, I just want everyone wants justice wherever it wherever it's needed, everywhere in the country. And you know, I I don't want people to get hurt. I don't want to see people that have their property destroyed. I don't want to see people get hurt. I don't mm-hmm. see. I also want to see people stressed out. You know, yeah. And change change is coming. So, I mean, I, I think that we all need to work together. Yeah. Got to hope and pray for 
for everyone just to be safe and, and peace, live in peace. I guess that's what we all want. So, yeah. But thanks for giving me this opportunity. I think it was cool. I, I think that, uh, you Thank know, you. it's like, I, I, those are great questions. I've never been asked some of those questions before. So it's always cool to have new questions. It always mm-hmm. keeps me on my toes too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Thank, Thank you, everyone. And see you later. All right. Take care. Thank you.